Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Dave Huggins. Dave is a USDA ARS soil scientist and research leader of the Northwest Sustainable Agroecosystems Research Unit in Pullman, Washington. He obtained his PhD at WSU and has been working with conservation farming systems and precision agriculture for 40 years. His research specialties include soil carbon sequestration, nitrogen use efficiency, and soil health. Hello, Dave. Yeah, hi, Drew. I had to up that 39 years to 40 years here just recently. I, you, you've been here quite a while and uh, doing great work, I might say. Um, I understand that the, the Northwest Sustainable Agroecosystems Research Unit, um, which you lead, is in the process of hiring four new scientists. Uh, but before we dive into that topic, I wonder if you could uh, give us, our listeners a, a summary of the research your unit has and is currently doing. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Uh, currently, the unit is is grappling with research pertaining to sustainable intensification of agriculture and trying to define that for one thing is not an easy task, but it involves a lot of different kinds of, of research. And it really, uh, when you start to talk about the positions we're, we're trying to fill it, you'll see how they address some of these various issues. But uh, certainly we want uh, profitable cropping systems and uh, we still work uh, quite a bit on just looking at field variations in yield and uh, and productive capacity of different locations in the field. Uh, we tried to to uh, quantify that over time and have been at it now for over 20 years in some locations. And what we use are georeference locations across the field. They're scattered every 100 feet or so. So it looks like a, a normal field out there, but we sample the heck out of it from the standpoint of not just the crop itself, but sometimes the crop quality, like protein if it's wheat. Uh, uh, we also look at soil characteristics uh, with depth uh, down to a meter and a half or five feet in those same locations. And we're following uh, things like uh, changes in soil pH or the acidification of some of our soils. Also, as you mentioned, uh, carbon sequestration and looking at how organic matter levels change over time. In this case, with uh, continuous no-till, that's what's been out there. Uh, recently, a few years ago, we paired up a, a watershed so that we have a comparison between uh, continuous no-till versus what would be called a reduced tillage or kind of a business as usual from the standpoint of what many growers uh, use in terms of tillage and rotations. So not only are we looking at crops uh, and soil health, as you mentioned, but we're also uh, trying to quantify uh, and characterize differences in water quality, uh, particularly phosphorus levels and nitrogen levels, as well as uh, loss of sediment in some cases, and also air quality, looking at some of the greenhouse gases like nitrous oxide and carbon dioxide that agriculture is uh, is, is, is a one of the, of the main producers, in this case, of, of nitrous oxide production. Okay. I, I know because you've been at this so long, one of the really interesting things I've seen you talk about is the temporal changes, so the changes over time, how these different things are influenced from year to year and then over a long period of time, which I, I find very interesting. 
Yeah, just to comment more on that, uh, one recent kind of surprise discovery has been looking at the acidification process across the field. And many of us are really familiar with stratified acidification near the soil surface, uh, particularly when we start to ban uh, nitrogen fertilizers under no-till systems with very little soil disturbance. Uh, but what we found was that there are some locations in the field that are acidified down to five feet and maybe deeper. That's as far as, as we actually sampled. And in in fact, uh, uh, that type of acidification seems to be more prevalent under our business as usual scenario and actually gets corrected with no-till. So as we're acidifying the surface, we tend to be increasing the pH of the subsurface, and in some cases down to four or five feet, which is interesting to me. And I think this is all driven by our field scale kinds of hydrology or where water goes. And we get more infiltration with no-till and it kind of spreads the more soluble bases around and kind of corrects some of those uh, low pHs that are with, uh, with depth in the subsoil. Those are the kind of discoveries that only long-term research can get at. So I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that you're able to maintain, have been able to maintain this uh, emphasis for so long. Yeah, that uh, that's exactly true, and and uh, soil acidification is one example of that. And really, just what you're describing, we didn't see that. Uh, it kind of looked like it was happening during the first like ten years, and then we could really see it um, after the the second ten years. And so you're you're really it takes that long to see those kinds of changes. And the other the other kinds of properties that uh, are good examples of that are as well are our soil organic matter levels and changes over time. Okay. So let's dive into these four new uh, scientist positions that you're hiring. What are they? Yeah. Uh, first of all, we have a, a cropping systems agronomist uh, slash ecologist, and, and this person will have expertise in, in developing innovative cropping systems that are, are profitable and and can mitigation ad mitigate and adapt to climate change and different kinds of weather extremes and provides uh, really what we call diverse kinds of environmental services in terms of promoting sustainable agricultural intensification. So that's one, the cropping systems agronomist. Uh, and I, I'll comment that uh, these positions were selected because we saw an opportunity to to bolster the kinds of expertise we have here in the Palouse. So, Looking at what we have at Washington State University as well as the University of Idaho and kind of seeing where th th we might need a little bit more expertise in terms of, of scientific uh, uh, capabilities. And that's really how these positions were actually defined to begin with, as conversations in terms of what kinds of, of scientists would really um, promote uh, agriculture in, in the area. And that's, and that's where we came up with these four different positions. And we only had four to, to fill. We could probably fill uh, with more expertise if we had more monies. But, but uh, remote sensing is another one, and expertise in, in utilizing um, what we call uh, uh, proximal as well as those are more ground-based or satellite-based kinds of observations to access, access uh, crop performance. It might be trying to diagnose uh, nutrient deficiencies or water uh, use efficiency or water stress, as well as other factors that uh, uh, in terms of, of other kinds of pests or soil and, uh, and um, uh, different kinds of, of management impacts that occur at spatial scales. And this whole area of remote sensing and proximal sensing is going to explode. It's the fourth revolution, as we like to say, in terms of, of digital agriculture. And we really need uh, more expertise in the area of remote sensing. Uh, the cropping systems modeler is a third position. And um, this 
this position is supposed to work hand in hand with the other three, actually, and to to actually try to uh, develop and use more process-oriented cropping systems models that simulate um, the conditions that we find out there, taking into consideration not just the crop, but the atmosphere and the soil and what we call the continuum of all those together and uh, try to, to model those. And Sometimes, you know, our modeling isn't isn't the, the greatest, uh, but they, it also tends to identify what we don't know as well and to kind of fill those gaps or try to fill those gaps in terms of knowledge uh, gaps. But that, that position will work closely with the other three and myself too. Uh, and the, the fourth one is an air quality uh, position. And here uh, we're really looking at expertise to investigate and develop more quantitative uh, kinds of, of measures of of agricultural emissions like greenhouse gases and also particulate matter that we may find with uh, wind erosion. Okay, so four positions. I, I know both WSU and the USDARS have, have struggled filling positions over the last several years. So this is actually, even though four isn't a large number in terms of uh, our ability to replace positions in the, in the last decade or so, it, it's a pretty good number. Yeah, no, I feel actually pretty ecstatic <laughs> about being able to move forward with these positions. And and I'll say that, um, you know, in terms of the hiring process, we've just finished during the month of May um, the interview process of a number of, can well, 11 different candidates for these four positions. We had some outstanding candidates. I was really pleased with the level of expertise. And, and we have... Um, uh, to assess those uh, different candidates, we basically develop uh, what we call evaluation panels. And those panels consist of our stakeholders. And it's expected that our research will proceed, uh, you know, in terms of, of considering stakeholder uh, research uh, priorities and be driven by stakeholders. So we included in this case uh, on panels, um, for example, um, commission members from... Um, uh, from the Wheat Commission, Grain Commissions of Oregon, Idaho, and Washington State. Also faculty members from Washington State University and the University of Idaho, as well as area farmers and uh, and uh, also uh, uh, USDA ARS people. You mentioned that you wanted to um, have these people address stakeholder needs. What What's the first steps towards identifying those research priorities for stakeholders? Yeah, yeah, great question, Drew. Um, uh, really, from the standpoint of ARS and developing our research plans, we take uh, a special consideration of what our stakeholder needs are. We're kind of known as, uh, as uh, at least we're trying to, to be a problem-solving agency. So the first step in terms of developing a, a, a research plan will be stakeholder, what we call stakeholder engagement. And that will be going out and talking to people and listening <laughs> in terms of uh, what kinds of uh, different uh, research questions that, that people have as well as trying to identify uh, what research priorities there are out there. So a lot of stakeholder engagement and and that'll uh, that'll cross all all different kinds of, of groups, right? From farmers to industry folks to to agency people and others. So so it's really a, a way for us to try to understand what kinds of, of stakeholder needs there are. And quite frankly, I'd like to push this further and actually have uh, partnerships developed so that the stakeholders themselves have you know skin in the game from the standpoint of uh, research activities and that we're really attempting to co-innovate together. And I think that this kind of co-innovation process can really accelerate some of, some of the knowledge production. Okay. Will this process uh, wait until you have all four scientists on board or will it uh, commence prior to that? 
That's a, it's a good question. Ideally, we'd have all four scientists on board. I'm not sure how that's going all going to unfold at this point, uh, but we could have all four of them on board as soon as this summer, sometime maybe late July or August. And but we might start before that. We'll see if we can get at least two more on board or uh, half or three. Then I'd be happy with starting to to start that process in terms of stakeholder engagement. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, exciting. Things are about to happen in your unit, and um, I know I've engaged with your unit and found it to be very productive, so hopefully it'll be even more so in the future. Thanks for sharing this great news with us and and helping our listeners understand what kinds of issues you're going to be tackling in the future. Yeah, thanks, Drew. appreciate being given the opportunity to be on today. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.